everybody. Welcome to the Mini Break by Cracked Rackets, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, April 17th, and we're here for another pod, but this time we will be primarily recapping matches from the action in Monte Carlo. My name is Jamie McDonald. I am your host for today's action, and with me is my regular partner now. It's Matt Stokowiak. Matt, how's it going, man? Jamie, it's the Wednesday special, man. Even though we're recording this on a Tuesday, it's just becoming the weekly Wednesday special, you know? It sure is. My Tuesday night is blocked off. It's Stokowiak time. That's all it is. That's right. I love it, man. It's always a pleasure. It's good stuff. Well, glad that you're at least happy to be with me here. Um, no, but we're going to be talking about Monte Carlo. And before we even get into the specifics of the actual matches that happen, I just want to say this is one of these tournaments. I got to get myself to go to this tournament sometime. I was thinking the same thing, man. As I was watching this, uh, you know, today and yesterday, I said, you know, with the exception of the Grand Slams and maybe yep. Indian Wells, because I really do, I have to get to Indian Wells. But other than those tournaments, Monte Carlo has to be like the top destination for fans to go, you know, and see a, a professional tournament. It just looks amazing. I think so too. I think so too. And I think you got to put this one a step above Indian Wells because I mean, come on, we're in the U.S. already. This is something special. That's true. That's true. It's just for me, I've never been to Indian Wells. So Fair. living in the U.S., there's really no excuse that I haven't been there. So I, I have a feeling I'll probably get there first. But man, I mean, if I could just fly around wherever I wanted to, Monte Carlo would be right up there. I mean, I'm going there as soon as That's I fair. can. So let's do this real quick then. Okay, so we've already talked about Monte Carlo. If you if you get to go to any sort of event, venue, whatever you want to call it, that you want, not a Grand Slam. So we've already covered Monte Carlo. What's your next one that you're going to besides Indian Wells in your case? What's the next one that you're looking to try and go to? Ooh, that's tough, man. I mean, I would have to say one of the Masters thousands. I mean, for me, it, you're saying with not Monte Carlo or not? Yeah. Man, <sighs> what are the other thousands? I mean, we have Cincinnati, we have Canada, we've got Madrid, we've got Rome. You know what? I think it would be Rome. I would have mm, to go with that's Rome. That's another good pick. Yeah, that would probably be my pick just because – you know, Italy, I just, that's a place I've always wanted to go to Italy. And that tournament always looks super cool. Probably a step below Monte Carlo on my list, yeah. but Fair. man, after, after that one, yeah, I think, I think Rome would be the choice. That's good stuff. I think for me, I'm putting in ATP world, fi world finals. I know that's, it's a step above the masters, but I think that'd be so cool, especially if they're playing in the O2. That'd yeah, that's a, a good pick. That'd be a sweet one to go to. Um, also, I know this is outside of the norm, but Labor Cup now. Now that that's actually a thing, I want to go to that so bad, no matter where it is. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean that that's, you know, it's a it's a non like sanctioned professional sure, event, sure, but sure, sure. I mean absolutely it looks I mean last year looked like a absolute blast. So absolutely. I, I'd love to get out there as well. Well, enough of that. We can always talk fun tournaments and fun venues on our own time. Listeners, well, what I'm going to do for you real quick is just run through all of the matches that happened. For you, it would be yesterday for us. It's earlier today as we are recording on this lovely Tuesday night. The first one we're going to start with is Vavrinka Chechenato. Vavrinka wins the first set 6-0, then somehow loses the match after Chechenato wins the second and third sets 7-5, 6-3. Absolutely crazy match. Matt, I know we'll talk about this later, but just initial thoughts on that. Well, Jamie, I got to be honest here, man. I dropped the ball. I watched the first eight games of this match, and it was eight zip for Stan. 6-0, 2-0, -oh, 
and I turned the TV off. I said, you know what? This is over. <laughs> it, it, the match, it wasn't even, it, it wasn't even a match. Stan was just having his way. I, I, you know, I hate to say it, but it's one of those that I just, I, I shut off and, you know, look what happens. So that's why you never know. You never know, even despite the scoreline. I also blame myself here. And I knew, I thought about it in the moment. I was thinking, what if this completely screws it up? But no, I texted Gruskin because we talked a little about this match last night. And I said, hey, Bavrinka's up 6-0 and another break. And then sure enough, I get a text like, you know, an hour <laughs> later. And he's like, so Stan, huh? I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, yep. What is that? I know, man. It's oh. it's absolutely wild. I mean, you can never count these guys out, man, no matter what. Yeah, well, in other news, another great three-setter, Munar and Chorich. This one was an absolute grind. Once again, we'll talk about this one in a little more depth, but it goes over three hours. Munar takes the first set, 7-6, but then Chorich grinds back, wins the second 7-6, and then the third 6-4. Absolutely phenomenal match. Another three-setter that we had, Djokovic and Cole Schreiber. Djokovic wins 6-3 then drops the second set 4-6, then ends up winning the third 6-4. Just another crazy three-setter. And, I mean, this was this was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, well, Philip Kohlschreiber, I mean, for a 35-year-old guy, he's just – he amazes me every time I watch him because he doesn't have the skill sets that, you know, the top, top players in the world have, yet he just competes so well. He understands his game really, really well. He knows what he wants to do on the court, and he always brings his best tennis against the top players. It's funny because, you know, he may play a guy that's ranked lower than him and lose and not look all that great, but when he plays those top guys, he's going to push them, you know, almost 100% of the time, and he actually beat Novak in Indian Wells earlier this year, so, you know, he knows how to play Joker, and and this was another one of those matches that he almost had him, but Novak was just a little bit too good. Uh, you know, Novak, to be honest, I mean, to be completely fair, he did not play his best tennis. No, I mean, throughout, he, he really and had to he had to grind it out, and and it was one of those matches for him where he found a way to win without playing his best. But Cole Schreiber, man, he's a tough out. Very true, and well, we'll like I said, we'll we'll jump into that more in depth here in a second. To continue listing those results for everybody, Kachinov, another disappointing result. We'll talk on his 2019 here later as well. Goes out to the Italian, Sinego, 6-4. and four. Simone, the Frenchman, takes out Alexei Paparin of Austria, Australia, 7-5-6-1. Chilich, the 7 seed, goes out, loses the first set 6-3 to Pea, then wins the second set 7-5, then gets crushed in the third set 6-1. FAA does his thing, gets a win as he's expected to, 7-5-7-6. Verdasco, the Spaniard veteran, unfortunately for him, goes out 4-4 four four to Herbert, the, well, I guess you would say the Frenchman who's now known primarily for doubles. But look at this, getting a good singles report result. That's good for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Herbert, you know, we do think of him as a dubs player, but, I mean, he's sneaky good at singles as well. He can play from the baseline, even though, you know, we think of him more as a net kind of player. And, yeah, great result over over Verdasco. Yeah, and, well, you know, while he and his, you know, fellow countrymen, Jill Simone, had some success, unfortunately the other Frenchman that we're going to talk about did not. Sanga goes out after losing the first set 6-4 to Fritz, retires, while he's down 2-0 against Fritz. Unfortunate that he was not able to complete that match. And the other Frenchman, Manorino, goes out with a routine 4-3 and loss to Cam Norrie. So those are your results um, from the day. 
as we mentioned, some of the most exciting ones are some of the ones that we mentioned at the very, very beginning. And so the ones we really want to break down and hit a little harder are the Chorch Munar match, Vavrinka Chechenato, and Djokovic Kohlschreiber. Matt, where do you want to start? Which one which one has you most excited to talk about right now? Well, really, it's got to be the stand match. I mean, I just I, – I don't know what happened at 6-0-2-0. It just – it's mind-boggling to me. The way he was playing, Stan was just controlling the court so well, hitting the ball so cleanly. I mean, Chechenato couldn't even get into the match. It's not like he was playing poorly. Stan was just waxing him. And then all of a sudden, he's able to flip that around and win, you know, however, 13 out of the last however many games in the match. It, it was just ridiculous. And I mean, going into it, I thought Chechenato was going to put up a good fight. I mean, he's known as a clay quarter. He's won clay court titles. So the the 6-0 scoreline in the first set was definitely shocking to me. But, and you know, then I turned the TV off. I mean, I, I feel bad saying that, but it really is the truth. I dropped the ball on that one, and he comes all the way back. So, I mean, what a what a fantastic result for Chechenato. Yeah, absolutely, and, and definitely not – to take anything away from his performance because he, he certainly proved that he earned it and that he earned a spot in the next round. But there is definitely something to be said here. I mean, not only did he win the first set 6-0, Stan, I mean, he was in control for the majority of that second set as well. I mean, he got up that break, and I mean, he was serving, and he was ahead in that set almost the entire time. Um, you know, he was serving for 4-3 as well, I believe. I mean, he was in complete control. And so I think Chechenato, I think it was in that game where Vavrinka was serving 4-3. He ripped a winner. I mean, granted, we're seeing two one-handed backhands go at it here. But Chechenato rips one up the line for a winner and seemed to really gain some traction with that. I mean, I, I think it's difficult to say that that one shot changed the match by any means. But, I mean, there was some momentum shift. And you got to think for Stan, I mean, w- what do you think his team's saying to him right now? Well, I think what ended up happening was he just he started to make too many unforced errors. I mean, in the first set, I don't know if he had any. I mean, maybe one. I do remember like a forehand that he flew long in the first set. Um, but, you know, other than that, he was really playing perfect tennis. And then all of a sudden in the second and third sets, I mean, more errors started to creep in. And, and Chechenato just stayed the course. He was steady. You know, the clay quarter that he is, he made Stan play and he ended up getting the dub. I mean, Stan's camp has, has got to be just shaking their head going, dude, I mean, what happened? You were playing so good. Where did that tennis go up 6-0-2-0? I mean, because it's like it just disappeared. And if you if you would have kept playing that way, I mean, that match was over, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one thing that's really important to, to point out here too as well is, is just absolutely just the ability to take advantage of the opportunities. I mean, we're looking – if you look at this at the match level, Chechenato saved five of the break points he faced. Granted, he did get broken a bunch, especially when you factor in that 6-0 first set. But Vavrenka saved zero. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that, definitely. I mean, he didn't <laughs> – it's funny because – you know, he didn't face any break points in the first set, in the first, you know, eight games of the match. I mean, he wasn't even close, but yeah, I mean, when the chips were down in the latter stages of that second set and then into the third set, Chechenato clearly took advantage of his opportunities and that, Absolutely. I mean, that ended up being the difference in the match. Right. And it's just so interesting too. I mean, that third set, granted, you got to think, of course, Chechenato's wrestled most of, if not pretty much all of the momentum away from Stan. 
But still, it's not like this match was decided by any means. I mean, Stan still gave himself plenty of opportunities. He had four break points in that third set, didn't convert any of them. Chechenato had one and converted it. And so this is just, this is to me, really just well done by the Italian and able to just sort of take, just seize the opportunity. I mean, it's really unfortunate for Stan in this case because this is an incredibly winnable match and one that, you know, he feels that this is an absolute letdown. But not to take away from Chechenato because this this was good on his part. Oh, yeah. Mentally more than anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember back when I used to play. I mean, to go down 6-0, 2-0, you're down a set and a break. You haven't won a game. I mean, just to stay in that match mentally – I wouldn't have been able to do it. But, yeah, you want to talk I mean, about mental strength? This weekend, I had to I had to play in a match um, for what we call corporate challenge, where I am. That's a big deal. Where basically all the companies make you know, certain people elected to play sports. I was you know elected to play tennis. We're playing pro sets. I got down a double break in the pro set. <sighs> Came back and won. That's that's huge for the brand right there. Love it, man. See, that's what you got to do. That's why these guys are pros. You know, humble brags. Yeah, so I could be pro, right? That's, that's what we're saying that, here. Hey. That's right, man. You get down a couple of breaks, no big deal, right? You just shake it off, you continue to play, and you end up getting the win. That's how you got to do it. Well, if we're talking about the mental piece, then we may as well shift right over to Djokovic versus Cole Schreiber because although Djokovic did show that he has the mental ability to get out of matches like this, he also just absolutely blew up. Did you see that racket smash he had in this one? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was frustrated because he wasn't playing well. There's no question about it. Joker was not at the level that you know, he expects himself to play at or that, you know, we come to expect to see him play as well. So yeah, I mean, he just, he let that thing go, man. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta clip that. We gotta do something with it. I, this is my favorite part. It's like, as we move through the year, it's like every single time we move through a few tournaments, I like to group them together and then put together a big compilation of the best ones. This one's probably going to make it on there. That was, that was an aggressive smash to say the very, very least. Oh yeah, very aggressive. It took him a few swipes to really uh, did, to yeah. really knock it knock it out. But yeah, I mean that was that was a classic classic one there. Yeah, and I have to I do have to say I know we mentioned this too. Uh, Cole Schreiber was the one who knocked him out of Indian Wells and really opened up that section of the draw when we when we saw some of those players move through. But you know this is just uh, this gains a lot of respect at least from me for Cole Schreiber. I mean he's a veteran and one of the most consistent players of the tour of the last decade. I mean. Seriously, if you're not talking about the top, top guys, you're talking about the Philip Cole Schreibers because he's been around and he's stayed around for so, so long. And I think this is just so impressive on this part to maintain that consistency. You know, a lot of people may have expected Djokovic to come out here and be like, wow, you know, I need to get revenge on this guy who knocked me out and this one to just be pretty routine. But Philip Cole Schreiber, man, he always brings it. He does, especially against the top guys. It's, it's yep. funny because he knows... He knows how to play those top guys, and he may not always beat them, but he does occasionally, like he he knocked out Joker at Indian Wells, and he just, the thing about Cole Schreiber is, and I've said this before on podcasts, he just, he has a very clear understanding of his game and how he can use his game against his opponents, and he doesn't stray from that. He doesn't do anything that he's uncomfortable doing. He just stays within himself, and and that's how you got to play, and that's what what's kept him around for however many years. I mean, the guy's thirty five years old. It seems like he's been around forever. He's been in the top fifty for ever. I mean, for his yeah. entire career. So yeah, I mean, that's a player that I have a lot of respect for. Every time he steps on court, you know you're going to get a very very solid effort. 
For sure. And, you know, I sort of alluded to this to earlier, but, you know, this is absolutely, at least in my eyes, a case of Djokovic just squeaking by. And part of it's just because of who he is. You know, he had a bad serving day, one ace, eight double faults. But here's what he does. He squeaked out the big points when he needed to. Faced 16 break points, saved 12 of them. Was able to come out of this match. I mean, that's that's impressive. And so clearly not his best performance by any stretch of the imagination. But he gets out of it and he moves on and he lives to fight another day. Yeah, that's all you got to do, right? I mean, Absolutely. just move on. And, you know, if he wants to win the title or, or go deep, he's definitely going to have to play a lot better. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, he knows was, that. Yeah. So. This was we'll ugly, see. but this one was just about getting through this round for now. And, and Exactly. He'll, it's Djokovic. He'll find his better form later in the tournament. That's what he does. And that's why he's won so many big titles. But. Yep. As we move on, the last one we're going to break down for you is the George against Munar match. And I will say, unfortunately, I mean, not to say unfortunately, because it's not like I dislike George, but Munar was my upset pick in this one. I really thought he was going to come out on top. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting, man. I mean, that's that's a good call. He's a, he's a good clay core player. The I mean, Spaniard. young guy. You got to go Spaniard, he loves the clay. And I mean, in the first... I watched maybe the first hour or hour and a half of this match, and, and Munar was just not missing. I mean, he yeah. was making no errors, and Chorich was just kept looking up like, are you kidding me? Is this guy ever going to miss a ball? And it, it it was just so funny to watch because Munar was just grinding like crazy, and he only won that first set in a tiebreaker. It's not mm-hmm. like he blew Chorich out, so, so Chorich was doing a really good job of staying in that match. But man, it looked like Munar was going to get the better of him. But I mean, Chorich is, you know, number nine seed in this tournament for a reason. I mean, he stuck around and was able to grind that thing out. To me, that's super impressive because Munar was playing great tennis. Yeah, no, he absolutely was. And I will say this, though. Munar is a great clay court, you know, specialist, if you want to call him that so far. I mean, clearly he's comfortable on this surface, but... Just any way you slice it, this match was an absolute battle. Goes three and a half hours. Chorich, though, I will say this. He was very frustrated at times, you could tell. And, you know, a lot of people have said that's sort of a knock against him right now. Mentally, he, he tends to show that frustration pretty early on in matches. Chorich did a great job, though, of sticking to his game plan of keeping the match on his racket. That's what he did throughout this. Even though Munar was trying to wear him down, was making tons and tons of balls, he kept every point that he could on his racket. He hits 60 winners in this match. Yeah, hits 52 unforced errors. Munar hits 41 winners and 24 unforced errors, which just out of any context, that's an incredibly clean performance. Yeah, it is from both guys. I mean, it was great clay court tennis. And and like you mentioned with Chorich, he just, he kept it within striking distance the whole time. It was always tight. He never let anything get too far away from him in regards to the scoreline. And he just, he hung around, man. And I mean, he ended up hitting 60 winners, you know, 52 errors, but he's still in the plus category there. I mean, Munar, it's crazy. You know, 24 unforced in a three and a half hour match on clay. That's, that's kind of absurd. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's insane. And he doesn't win that match. It just goes to show you how close this one really was. It truly was. And like I said, George, clearly frustrated. He knew what Munar was going to try and do, and he knew that, hey, you know what? If this is going to happen, I know I can't just sit here and grind all day. i got to do something to finish these points. And so that's what he did with his game plan. If you look at this, he comes to the net 72 times. 
He wins 46 of 72 at the net. I mean, that's that's crazy. I don't know if I've ever seen Borna Chorich come into the net 72 times in his career, let alone yeah, right. in oh, one yeah. match. I mean, that is, that's a crazy stat right there. What is that? Like, what, 24 times a set, right? Yeah. I that's mean, insane. Yeah. That is so many points. That is that is so many points out of each set. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's probably more net points than he's played all year up until this point. It's got to be something. But, hey, you know what? Props to him for having that game plan and sticking to it, though. You know, it paid off in the end, even though incredibly, you know, narrow margins here. He gets out of it 6-4 in the third, and, you know, like, like Djokovic lives to fight another day, even against a guy who was grinding and honestly playing really well. Yep. George is dangerous, man. I mean, the further he goes, he's one of those guys, you know, you're definitely not going to want to play him if he gets more, you know, more in form and into the tournament. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears here a little bit. You know, for for my sake, you know, I look at this draw and something that I, I guess I had sort of noticed it prior to this, but I was looking through the results and I was like, man, Hachanov, he, you know, Hachanov, Kachanov, Hachanov, whatever you want to call him. It doesn't matter at this point. It's like, man, he's losing like quite a bit. And I started looking at it. I was like, huh, that's weird. And so just listen to this for a second. His recent results of 2019 lost. Listen to all these tournaments that he lost his first singles match in. Qatar goes out to Vavrinka. Sofia goes out to Berrettini. Rotterdam goes out to Greeksport. Dubai goes out to Basilashvili. Miami goes out to Jordan Thompson. Monte Carlo goes out to the Italian Senego. I mean, what is up with Hatchinov right now? Yeah, it's a little puzzling, isn't it? I mean, his results have been very inconsistent. And it, and it's weird because this is a guy that has all the tools. I mean, you look at him physically, he's an absolute beast. He has every shot. He can rock the ball. He can hit huge serves. He moves really well for his size. So I'm thinking it's it's got to be mental, man. I mean, something right now in his head is not quite right. You know, from from really the beginning of this year, and it's showing with his results. He can have good tournaments. Um, I think he went – I can't remember how he did in Indian Wells. That one wasn't listed on here. I, I think he did okay uh, at Indian Wells. But it's just – it's a little puzzling to see him with these inconsistent results because this is a guy that I thought by now would you know be inside the top 20, pushing top 15, top 10 range. And you know it's not looking good for him right at the moment, but – the thing is with Hatchinov, he's got the ability to just turn it on and absolutely win a tournament at any time if, yeah. if he puts it all together. So yeah, and so the the two that I didn't put on there, you know, Australian Open. Well, there are more than that too, but a couple of a couple of big ones that I didn't put on there. Australian Open, he did win a couple of matches, got through two rounds, and then ended up losing to Bautista Agut in straights. And then in Indian Wells, he did have a decent performance, and he got to the quarters, I believe. Yeah, got to the quarters, and then yeah. got knocked out by Nadal in the two tie breaks. That seven six seven six. Right. Match. So you're right. No, and that it is interesting, but like you said, mental. Or let me offer you another possible explanation here. Are we starting to see the Paris Masters curse become real? And what is the Paris Masters curse? Well, if you win the Paris Masters, so okay. Hatchinov, he wins the Paris Masters at the end of 2018, correct? Yep. Okay. Now tell me this. Who won the 2017 Paris Masters? That would be one Jack Sock. Okay. So we start to think Jack Sock wins the 2017 <laughs> Paris Masters. Has Don't go there, man. Slide in Don't go there. Okay. So, all right. So, so I'm out of line here, okay? All right. I, I, won't, I won't jump. You're out of line, Jamie. I'm calling wow. you out on it. 
Okay. Wow. Well, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't know. I mean, look at look the, those first match results that I listed out for you. That that doesn't look good. No, no, it doesn't. That's I, I completely agree. It's very it's it, it's interesting to look at his his results. They're just inconsistent. That's the word that I want to use. Is just inconsistency this year in 2019. Last year he was he was much more consistent. He was routinely going deep in tournaments, but again. I just I feel like something mentally might not be quite right, and if he gets that sorted out, you know we're gonna see him go deep. I mean he's still really young; he's like 22, 23 years old. He's got a lot still in front of him. But you're not ready to jump on my my wagon of the Paris Masters curse. Ah, eh, not yet, not yet. Bummer. Okay, well you know maybe what? I'll after have to the find French somebody Open. who will. I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the group text and see who who maybe will jump on board. I feel like I could get like maybe like a Gornet. You know, someone who's down for a, a different take. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm sure you could get him on. I'm sure you could get him on that. Fair. Well, <laughs> well I guess we'll we'll put a pin in that for now. We'll see. Maybe put out a poll. See if there's anybody who you know, <laughs> is jumping on my theory to say that the Paris Masters curse, at least moving forward, is going to be a real thing. Uh, but regardless of that, you know, when we're talking Monte Carlo matches for tomorrow, the big ones that I'm going to be watching out for are Batista Gut Nadal and Medvedev versus Albot. Just real quick thoughts on those before we close out. Those two matches, what are you thinking, Matt? Yeah, I mean, all four of those players, those are great matches that you picked out there because those four players have really played well all year long. I mean, remember Bautista Agut's run back at the Australian Open. He's beaten Djokovic a couple times this year. I mean, he's just been rock solid. Nadal's obviously Nadal. And then Medvedev and Albot, I mean, they've had great years as well. Radu Albot kind of coming out of nowhere, winning his first title uh, at Delray Beach this year. So I'm looking for for Rafa to get through Bautista Agut. I mean, I think it'll be a relatively good match. I think Bautista Agut can push him. But if Rafa's healthy, which I hope that he is, I, I think he gets through that. And as far as the other one, I mean, I'd like to go with Medvedev. I just, I'm really high on Medvedev. I like what I see out of him almost every time he takes the court. But Albot has been playing so well. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to maybe see an upset there. It, you know, it, that wouldn't shock me. But if, yeah, if so, I was picking it, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take Medvedev, though. That's fair. And that that's part of the reason I, I pulled out these two matches in particular. It's because you can make such a case for it either being a blowout or you can make such a case for it being a total grind and not knowing. Because Medvedev, I mean, look what he did in his last match against Jal Sousa. I mean, that was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He was perfect. He won one and one. He looked like I mean, looked like he didn't even need to do anything out there. It was crazy. Yep. The, these guys are all playing really well. So hopefully— And, of course, it's Nadal on clay. So, right. You know, exactly. He could win 0-0 against anybody on any given day. So <laughs> Exactly. That's why I said as long as he's healthy, remember he had to pull out of— um, True. Out of that last tournament. So we'll see if, you know, how he looks. It could be a little shaky to start. It's his first match on the clay. but It's a Spaniard battle. Spaniard you know, battle. Know. But I think he'll be able to grind it out at least and, and get through that one, hopefully. I think so, too. Well, nonetheless, I will be watching as many of the points out of those matches as I possibly can. Matt, just want to thank you again for coming on with me, being the routine partner for the Tuesday night, Wednesday show. Absolutely love having you on here. And even though you didn't agree or immediately hop on with my Paris Masters take, it's okay, and I'm looking forward to having you again. <laughs> hey, man, we can't agree on everything, right? Where's the, fun, where's the fun in that? 
Um, no, man, of course, it's always a pleasure. It's like clockwork now, you know, every week it's just TikTok. We know what we're doing. So that's right. Tuesday, that's right. The, the Tuesday night or, or the Wednesday special, as I like to call it. You're not wrong, man. All right. Well, as we always do, when we're closing out to our listeners, what do we say, Matt? That's a break. All right. Thank you, everybody. And tune in for tomorrow's.